Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is Force Center, a show about Star Wars, pop culture, and the ultimate adventure, life itself. This particular episode is Cues of the Everything. We take Star Wars questions and anything else you got. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsla. And I'm Jennifer Landa. And I'm going to talk about Audible now, because that's what we do <laughs> at this part of the show. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Probably your Apple Vision Pro or whatever else you have <laughs> strapped over your eyes. I don't know. I haven't looked into that. Exactly. It's possible. Anyway, we are continuing to recommend Dark Disciple by Christy Golden. This has long been a favorite around here on Force Center. Uh, just a, a great and very different Star Wars story uh, focusing on Asajj Ventress and Quinlan Voss. There's a renewed excitement about this novel, about this story, because of Asajj Ventress's upcoming appearance in Season 3 of Bad Batch. So if you're going to check it out anyway, it helps us tremendously to do it through this link. You can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash 4 center 
One more time, that's audibletrial.com slash Center for your free audio book. We also have some announcements. Uh, we made these uh, on our main show this week, um, but we also wanted to share them here because we're really excited about them and want to make sure everybody knows about them. Jennifer, do you want to talk a little bit about your new YouTube show, Jedi Beat? Yes. So I am producing a Jedi Beat. I'm bringing them back from the vault. I've remastered it in the sense that I've actually re-recorded most of my uh, audio uh, and I'm putting visuals to it. And we're going to put it on YouTube. They're kind of like Star Wars mini documentary uh, style things about behind the scenes things like the Moss Eisley Cantina. And that is coming when? February 19th, Monday. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Monday, February 19th, and, and continuing every Monday for a total of five weeks. What I also love about uh, the Jedi Beat show is that it is such a selection of things that you gravitate toward in Star Wars and that you love, Jennifer. So I think Weird. not only is it great journalism, uh, <laughs> but it is a great, the beating heart of Jennifer Landa as well. Come into my mind. <laughs> <laughs> On YouTube. Speaking of coming into our minds, uh, we also want to announce 007 Center. This is something that uh, I have wanted to do forever. We've talked about just in the course of talking about Star Wars. Ken and I will bring up uh, a mutual love of the Daniel Craig James Bond film. So we are going to discuss them. We're going to start with two, 2006 Casino Royale, a film that was released the day I married my wife. So uh, extra level of importance to that release date to me. Uh, we'll talk about that on the episode, I'm sure. So we're going to release this in a in a special way. It is going to be available to all patrons at any level. So if you're a member of our Patreon, you get access to our Casino Royale discussion. But we want to also make it a little bit more accessible. Uh, Patreon has introduced a shop feature where you can do a one-time purchase. So if you don't want to do the subscription model, if it doesn't work for you to be a patron, but you really like James Bond, you really want to hear this conversation, there's going to be a video version for a $5 one-time purchase and an audio version for a $3 one-time purchase. And this Casino Royale discussion is going to be available February 12th. That's right. Cannot wait for this. This is going to be a lot of fun. And plus, they get to watch the Bond films again. Great. Yep. Great. Yep. Yep. It's, I'm so excited to sit down doing, I'm doing work now. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> while watching James Bond. Mm -hmm. uh, and Ken, we also have uh, a little bit of a thing called Databank Brawl Rewind. You want to tell people about that? That's right. Our Databank Brawl series remains uh, one of our more discussed series. It, it, it started in 2016. It was uh, uh, the brainchild of, of, of Joseph there uh, saying, hey, this is something we'd, I'd love to do. Because back in the day, Force Center began with the main show, and then we all kind of did some of our own things. Jedi Beat was one of those things. I had Spotlight Star Wars, a ramble on a Saturday morning, and Joseph uh, brought in Databank Brawl. It was such a, a lot of fun to do, and, and we still have old school Force Center fans who talk about it. We did wrap up the series early, early 2020, and uh, we want to represent it. We, we have a lot of new listeners from that time on, and mm -hmm. the easiest way for us to do that, instead of just going, hey, scroll back about, a, I think it's 114 pages on ACAST <laughs> to go to the beginning of the series, uh, and, and maybe it's you could just do a search bar on Apple, but I don't know, sometimes it doesn't work, you know? We're going to make it easy. It is on our feed. We dropped the first episode uh, on Sunday, uh, this past Sunday. Every Sunday, we're just going to drop the episodes in order, working our way up. Uh, there's like 170 episodes or something like that. So uh, take the journey again. Laugh at the old jokes that that made sense then, but maybe don't make sense now, not in terms of a problematic way, but just like, oh, that no, that that they ended up doing a Boba Fett show. <laughs> like, like that yes. kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, learn about Chopper with a cape, all those things. Laugh with us. Us, uh, it is on our feed uh, every Sunday. Mm. Uh, people have been responding really positively, and it uh, is great. I love it. Uh, well, so those are all of our announcements. So we're going to get into the actual thing we do on the show, the questions, and hopefully the answering. This first question comes to us uh, from a patron on Patreon, David. David says, here's a Star Wars question. Did Ahsoka choose Sabine as an apprentice because she was scared if her Padawan went wrong, she would have to fight and stop her? and she sought someone weaker in their connection to the Force. Also, it rhymes in inverse with her master being the strongest Force user ever, balance in the Force. Uh, so we definitely want to take this question, David, about, uh, about how did Ahsoka relate to Sabine's strength, but I think it's also an opportunity uh, for us to talk about a part of the story that we don't know yet of why Ahsoka might have chosen or accepted Sabine as her apprentice. So, Ken, where would you like to start? Do you gravitate into to discussing the uh, the strength level question, or do you want to go into the bigger picture? 
Yeah, I mean, this is a, Dave. No, thanks for the question. Thanks for Star Wars question. This has been a thought starter for me. I spent a lot of time uh, over breakfast uh, this morning of our recording session trying to f- actually figure out what I think about this. And look, I- I'll just say this, and I, so I don't mean this to be snarky towards the question, but I, if this if this were the answer, if Ahsoka was like, I'm, I'm picking that one because she's weaker than me. That's a bad boss and mentor friend. <laughs> I think we've all worked with those people. We got some. I got some people in my life who love. They they love you as long as they know that they can keep you a level or two below them, right? Mm. Like and and and, and they they'll build you up just so far. And even when they build you up, they'll build you up to be be like, hey, you were that thing you did was good, but it wasn't good enough. And I know how to make it better. I, I've 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 been dealing with some folks like that over the course of my career here in LA who hasn't and it, it could be any career um and so I wouldn't want that to be the answer for Soka just from that point uh, point of view so I'll start there and I have some other thoughts but I want to kick it over uh to Jen and you there yeah well I'll, I'll, I want to get Jen's thoughts but I want to interject quickly often as often happens a Star Wars question will lead me to think about my time working at Kinko's in uh, the IDS Center in Minneapolis um, where there was uh, some higher end equipment, uh, there was a DocuTech, this thing that that had it, it was harder to run, and it and it took time to learn how to make copies on it. And when I first came, everybody was kind of being uh, the way the way you were describing uh, Ahsoka of like, I don't actually want to pass on what I've learned. I don't mm-hmm. want anybody else how to to know how to run this machine because then they will become too powerful. And it was a little bit of like a hold uh, each other down. Yeah. My manager was very intense and we've discovered that he was a Star Wars fan. And I made the joke that if you could run the docutech, you were, you had become a Jedi, you had completed your Jedi trials. And he got this light in his eyes. Like everyone in this store is going to become a Jedi. No more of this <laughs> holding back the knowledge. I want everyone to know how to run the docutech. Mm. And it's just, mm. it, it is, it is really interesting to, to think about that idea of, why would someone have the motivation to hold someone else they're teaching down? Uh, Jennifer, what are your thoughts on the the strength level? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand it because it comes from a place of insecurity almost, mm-hmm. which does not, it's not consistent with the character. I had wondered this question often, obviously on the show a lot. I've been like, who chose who? Was it Ahsoka or was it Sabine, right? presented this way i'm like oh i don't i don't i don't think it was ahsoka that chose sabine i think it was maybe sabine wanting to to connect with ezra and you know and 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 she approached ahsoka that makes more sense to me now something i had not thought mm, of before mm, this question mm, but mm-hmm. yeah just just uh just it just doesn't make sense to me that she would want to choose someone weaker it, it comes from such a, a negative like i said it's insecure yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I really agree with that. And I think the the to me the the what's interesting about the question in the seat of it is um Ahsoka is she isn't insecure, she isn't unsure of her power, but she is so consumed by the worst case scenario. But then uh, that's fear. It so is then she's then she's ruled by her fear. That doesn't make any that doesn't make any sense for me with the character well, that we know. Here, here's what I what I'm saying is I think she is giving into her fear too much. And I think that is her arc in the mm, uh, Mandalorian era of she, she isn't realizing that she's giving into fear. She thinks she is being cautious and judicious. And I think, <laughs> it, I don't think she, I don't did answer directly David's question. I don't think she's like, I'll only train somebody who I can put down if they're a problem. Mm. But I think she was hyper focused on the possibility of, anyone with the force being a problem uh in, in that final episode of ahsoka huyang tells ezra that ahsoka was concerned what sabine would do if she unlocked her full potential that mm-hmm. there was the tragedy on mandalore and uh, ahsoka partially cut off their training because she was afraid that sabine wanted this extra level of power because what was in her heart was not justice but vengeance uh was the way i took mm-hmm. that so mm-hmm. i think for me, there's this perspective of, yes, Ahsoka was preoccupied with the what if somebody goes wrong, but she was not thinking about power levels. In fact, it's almost the opposite from based on what Huyang told Ezra of, I'm afraid that if I unlocked her power, which might be significant, she would do dangerous things with it. And I think it it um, it, it dovetails to me with, 
what she tells Anakin in her in her vision uh, when they're having the conversation on the in the Clone Wars uh, battlefield um, when she's kind of intimating that what she's upset about is he fell to the dark side and he's got that great line of like, is that what this is about? And like, uh, I'm more than that. And she says, yeah, I'm paraphrasing, but she's like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're more, uh, more powerful and more dangerous than anyone thought. Mm-hmm. And I think that sh- she's seen everyone who touches the force through that filter of, I didn't realize how dangerous my master could be because mm-hmm. of his choices. Uh, I, I'm afraid that Grogu will be dangerous based right, on his attachment. Right. I'm afraid Sabine will be dangerous based on her loss. So I don't think she was worried about power level, but I think she was giving into the fear that anybody who touched the force could become Vader. Hmm. Yeah. I, 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 and I think there's with the character Sabine, and this might be a little bit of a David's question. It's like, yeah, there, there's, there's some things on the resume where you go, Oh, what happened there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> could you talk to me about that year you worked at the Imperial Academy? And, and there's a lot of that in, uh, in Sabine. And so, so maybe that, translates into into this kind of thought of like uh you know well I, maybe i can control her in some way but yeah I, I i especially the grogu thing especially going back to the episode with 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 din and grogu and just where ahsoka was mentally during that episode i i i follow that fear path in that at least in that regard yeah and i think i think she triumphs over it i mean i think that to mm-hmm. me is is the power of the ahsoka series is that you know she awakens from that vision with anakin going i am just focusing on the negative. It's all about stopping Thrawn and it, it, mm-hmm. there's no focus on, well, what's the value in saving Ezra? And maybe I can focus on that too. Um, yeah. Je- Jennifer, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's for me, I saw it as more about fear of connection, a mm. fear of getting close to people. She's lived this kind of lone wolf, solitary life. And so I feel like, and she, and in some sense she feels, I don't want to say, but, betrayed disappointed by what happened with Anakin obviously um mm-hmm. and I just think that she doesn't want to get close to Sabine she doesn't want to risk Sabine disappointing her or her putting mm-hmm. too much pressure on Sabine I feel like that for me allows me to hook into it easier mm. um, it's more about her her wrestling with her her inner turmoil which I would have loved to have seen a, a scene with that just I don't know her in a room really wrestling with it in this way. I mean, we got other moments, but I don't know. I think it would have made it a little bit more clear for me. Um, no, I really agree with you that that's there. I think she's got yeah, these, yeah. to me, I think I, uh, what I'm going on about is her relationship to the idea of force and force users and having just total caution around force users. But I entirely agree with your read on what her like one-on-one relationship with Sabine is, is there's that level of friendship and attachment and seeing that they basically have that they used to fly around on this ship together when they were trained before and had bunk beds and Sabine had the lower bunk and, <laughs> and doodled. And they kind of had like a, you know, a, this big sister, little sister, you know, did Sabine ever get, you know, uh, like used to happen with my sibling on the bunk beds, whoever's on the lower bunk bed gets to kick the uh, nope. upper, <laughs> oh. upper bunk bed, not violently, but just a little nudge of like, you still awake, you still awake. Like, there is, there's, I really agree with you. There's a lot of that mm. intimacy and fear of connection in their, in their one-on-one relationship. Yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm with, uh, with Joseph on, on agreeing with you, Jen, on that. I, it's, uh, I think it, it's, it's there. It's, it's absolutely there. And, and you even got some of those comments and uh, I think it was Floney, you know, going in of like, that's part of Ahsoka's struggle is, is reconnecting. And we've talked about it here, about the real world connection of, of, of a post lockdown pandemic world that, that changed our habits and changed our connections and changed who we hang out with or talk to or what we do and, and, and how even just going, all right, it's time enough, I guess, to get back. And how do I even do that? I, I think, I, I think there was a lot of that present in the Ahsoka character and we break it down to bunk beds. I think it's even more powerful. So I, I think, I think it's definitely there. Mm-hmm. This is a story about bunk beds. Story um, about bunk beds. Yeah. So, so I think we're, we're, you know, mostly saying the same thing about the actual sort of strength level question of mm-hmm. that doesn't seem like Ahsoka to say, I'm, I'm going to find someone weak in the yeah. force uh, so I can contain them. Um, mm-hmm. But we all have talked about um, really wanting the story of how did their relationship start? Why did Ahsoka choose Sabine or why did Ahsoka um, agree to train Sabine being, being asked? This, I think we've mostly talked about it in the context of wanting to know that story myself, maybe also just being frustrated that that would have let me into their relationship even more. But this question challenged me to go like, okay, put, 
put the what wasn't there away. And this is a chance to have headcanon of if Sabine came to Ahsoka or even if Ahsoka decided, yes, I want a Padawan and I'm, I'm shopping for one. <laughs> initially, why did Ahsoka say yes? Why did Ahsoka start down this road with, one would assume, some level of optimism or hope for possibility in Sabine? Why would, because she could have just said, I don't train people. That's not the path mm-hmm. I'm on. Find somebody mm-hmm. else. Why did Ahsoka say yes to Sabine or seek out Sabine, Ken? I, 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 I want to hear your head, Ken and Jen, here in a, in a minute about Sabine asking Ahsoka. I'm really fascinated with that. And and then, and, and Joseph, you saying, hey, you know, Ezra's out there and she want to connect with that. And Jen, you were saying that too. Like, I like that idea. Um, I, I think there's something to me about my head canon has a little bit to do with Ahsoka knowing the importance of, and, and, and place of Jedi in the world, but knowing how it all ended, being very present for what went wrong. And we always talk about Ahsoka representing, hey, what does it mean to be a Jedi? And that Ahsoka gets to ask that question of herself and now of a student and seeing things in, you know, and as there's off the board, maybe, maybe she would have picked up the mantle, uh, uh, you know, that uh, Kanan left behind with Ezra. Uh, and uh, he's a prospect. He's a top prospect. He, he's a rated <laughs> rookie, as they said in the old baseball card days. Uh, but then here comes Sabine, who's who's a, out of left field. Not the way, as Huyang would tell her, that, that this ain't what we would do. <laughs> and, <she's, laughs> and, and that kind of ma- making sense to Ahsoka. And and maybe uh, that's why I want to hear what, you're, what you think, Jed, of, of, of maybe Sabine's like, hey, I got a thought. And Ahsoka's like, Wait, I got a thought. And 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 they come together on this kind of decision. I, mm, I like that. I like that. Because what I wrestle with is is how it was presented in the show and kind of the performances mm-hmm. that we got. So mm-hmm. it makes sense to me that Sabine would approach Ahsoka. That makes sense to me. But then the performance that we got, we don't ever see that yearning, that kind of hunger from Sabine that I would like to have seen if she did initiate that, right? Mm-hmm. She's right. driven, if even if it's, you know, obviously to connect with Ezra. Th- we're going to see that drive in her performance. And I don't feel like we got that, which made me then think, I think Ahsoka approached Sabine and was like, mm. hey, kid, you got some raw talent. Let's use it. And I think the reason why she would choose Sabine is because Sabine has no knowledge really of like how the Jedi work and what they're supposed to do. She's not going to come like from a, like a, you know, if you're a jazz musician, you may not want to have a classical musician to train because mm-hmm. they're going to be very rigid in their ways. Mm-hmm. You're going to pick somebody who's musical, <laughs> right? Somebody who, can, yeah. who has a good ear, who's going to be more open to your teachings of jazz music, <laughs> force jazz, as we should call it. Um, <laughs> that to me makes sense based on the performance that we got in the show. I I like a lot of uh, stuff about this. And if I'm following you correctly, the idea (laughs) that the Jedi are jazz and the Mandalorians are classical music, or is it the other way around? <laughs> nope. That, that, uh, or uh, the, Je- the well, sh- her, her form of a, being a Jedi is the jazz. Yeah. The Jedi order is the classically is the classic- trained. Well, that makes a lot of, <laughs> that one I can't, uh, yeah, I, I have to agree with wholeheartedly for sure. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I think I, I, that's a really great point about um, parsing, what happened the first time around based on what we felt emotionally seeing them try again. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. because they tried again, I feel like I felt, a, I felt a little bit of the yearning. Uh, like I said, when, when uh, Sabine is watching that video of Ezra, that isn't just about missing Ezra. It's about him telling her what it means to be a Jedi. And I know mm. you can complete my path. And I, I sense a little bit of yearning toward that, but then the narrative is also uh, she, Sabine has this yearning but she also has this um, fear or wounding from having been rejected the first time. So we right. get those scenes where mm-hmm. Hu Yang has to really convince her of like, you're, what you're asking is, does, so, does Ahsoka want you back? But what you should be asking is, do you want this? Because mm-hmm. you gave up as much as Ahsoka fired you, mm-hmm. is what Hu Yang kind of puts it. But to your point, Jen, that means that Sabine in that moment kind of had, in those first episodes, had to present both the yearning to be it and also sort of like the disappointment of having failed the first time. Exactly. So there's a lot. Uh, it's a lot to play. It's a lot to play. Short, minimal scenes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, which, which continues to just get me excited for the day that we get to see the, 
the actual scene. Um, but I feel like I, I tend to feel like Sabine or Hera <laughs> came in and said, you want this. You, you want to mm-hmm. follow Ezra's path. You felt that connection to the Darksaber. You feel something. Ahsoka's alone. She's, she's directionless too. Go, go, go be, uh, <laughs> go have bunk beds. You, mm-hmm. you need one another. You know, mm-hmm. one of you is a student, one of you is a master and you need each other. That makes some sense to me. But at the end of the day, if, if Sabine came to her or if Ahsoka was looking, there's still that question of why Ahsoka chose her. And for me, I think it's, it, you know, as much as I do think Ahsoka was wrestling with um, some fear, some uh, focusing on the negativity, I have to think for her to accept Sabine, there has to have been that moment of the Ahsoka we've always known who focuses on compassion and, you know, long odds. You know, her master taught her in the Clone Wars, be creative take long odds, go for it. And I have to think that Ahsoka, it was a victory for Ahsoka to say yes, because she had to have so much caution in her mind and, and uh, uh, you know, concern that what if this goes wrong? She gives it a shot and then gives into this concern that it's not going to work out. Hmm. But yeah, it's got to start from a place of compassion and hope. What do you yeah. think, Ken? Yeah, no, I, I think, again, going to the idea of, of uh, I'm not just suggesting that Ahsoka's, like, being stubborn, like, oh, I'm going to rebuild the Jedi Order, but watch the, watch the way I do. It's going to be different. I just think she's exploring what needs to be different, exploring, again, what it really means to go around this galaxy. And she sees all of that in Sabine. And, you know, if you're just looking for the back of the baseball card stats, she, she's had a Darksaber and learned some of the stuff. Like, she already exhibited some things there just in terms of skills, and we can work on that. Like you, you, you want you want to shoot a basketball? I'll give you. I'll teach you how to shoot a basketball. But I, I, I just think you belong on this court, and and, and I and I and I want to explore that. And I think the fear and all the stuff that Sokka's got going on is there. And then yeah, that's what to Jen's point of like, who asked? I can't wait to find out. It, it, and if it was a mutual pointing, if it was Harris sitting them both down and going, I got an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it also is about the connection and i think uh, ahsoka seeing that that was probably important for both of them and sabine wanting that uh whether or not she was i think ezra has a lot to do with that and and and, and the search for ezra and, and and getting ezra home and and all those kind of big goals um and that maybe it was uh i'm fast i i the more i think about it uh and more I think about what the series presents i'm fascinated by what brought them to this decision to move forward because it was completely outside the box and you got to imagine sabine's like how many times she probably said, I can't do this. I don't, I don't have it. And she has to learn, unlearn that. And Ahsoka's mm-hmm. got to be like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to prove that the heart of the Jedi is more important than uh, the magic hands. You know, <laughs> like this is, mm-hmm. this is good. And then it, it, uh, uh, I quit, you're fired type of <laughs> fallout. Yeah. It's such a crucial piece of information to withhold from the audience uh, that I, I, I have to wonder why. Why mm. did they not tell us? In, in any one of those scenes where they're both frustrated, one of them could have said, well, you know, I chose you because blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, mm. I asked you to train me and you left me. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just the fact that nobody said anything, I'm like, what is your master plan revealed to me? Like, I just, <laughs> I can't take it. I'm really hoping that we get that answer in, in season two. Yeah. yeah. It's a big, big question that yeah. shapes their whole direction for both characters. Mm-hmm. I yeah. Think. I mean, we had Hera present, you know, too. So, I mean, they, they both could have had the right. attitude of like, it was never meant to be. Hera played matchmaker and we both tried. Her right. heart was in the right place, you know? Uh, yeah, and, and for me, regardless of anything, I think, you know, this this story will come eventually. I don't think Filoni generally doesn't sit on those kind of things. I'm hoping yeah. for Tales of the Jedi or, you know, Ahsoka mm. Season 2 oh, to have yeah. some more clarity. I, I'm, I'm hoping to get that story because it is one that I think is it's really v- interesting, really valuable. And, you know, boy, do we know this living with Star Wars for years and years and years. Sometimes you have to wait a long time for the answer. But mm. when you get it, it makes an older piece of media an older piece of storytelling sing much more for you. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I hope for that for my, for myself, for, uh, uh, as much as I love everything, uh, I love so much about Ahsoka, but having that answer would, I think, add a lot of nuance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and I do, uh, this is my final thought. Uh, I like how much Hu Yang on the surface talks about classical music, Jen. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes, he does. But he is open to jazz. It, yes. And I, I think he, he, he'll, <laughs> 
I like how much he's like, I'm, I'm going to give it to Sabine straight. You're the worst student I've seen. The, the, mm-hmm. your, the back of your rookie card has the lowest stats I've mm-hmm. ever seen. But also, mm-hmm. don't you believe in yourself? Don't you want to do this? And, <laughs> uh, you know, hey, so can Sabine. You always work better together, you know, and, and kind of rooting for him, you know? Yeah. Right. yeah. A lot of great that. stuff there from hmm. Yang. Uh, any final thoughts on this question before we take a break? I mean, the, 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 like I said, Dave, this is a great thought starter because this is this is some of the stuff I've maybe even had a bit of a challenge with in the series. But mm-hmm. some of the challenges, there's just like Jen, you said, information information is currently withheld, and mm-hmm. we will find out. I hope, uh, and so it's uh, inspiring me to to think a little deeper about the conversations yet uh, to be um, shared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts from you, Jen? I'm just glad that that David that you're thinking about this question as well because. <laughs> I sometimes feel like I'm the only one. Why? Who trained who? Oh, <laughs> no, uh, uh, you are not alone, Jen. You are not alone. <laughs> I, I have often uh, wondered this as well. And I think uh, what, I, what I really like about this question, what I really uh, appreciate is it made me really think about no matter who started it, what had to be in Ahsoka's heart, that this had to be a moment of hope and compassion for her. And I'm excited uh, to be able to see that someday. And uh, with that, we are going to take a quick break and we will be back with another question back in a moment. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed. And it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
are back here on Cues of the Everything. Uh, we had a great question about Ahsoka and Sabine, and we're going to move on to the next logical thing from Ahsoka and Sabine to our first records. This comes to us from Anthony King. Uh, we encourage uh, patrons, uh, when they put in the questions, to share a little bit of their own story. So sometimes the questions are questions and also a little bit of sharing. So this one is a, a little bit of sharing. So sit back and enjoy. Here's what Anthony says. <laughs> Hello there, Four Center. I have really been enjoying the music discussions as of late on the podcast. I was curious if you wouldn't mind taking the listeners on a journey back to the get beginning. What was the first album that you purchased with your own money? Also, what type of music format was it on? Vinyl, CD, cassette, maybe even eight track? In addition, how was the process of buying that record? Did you ask your parents for permission first? Or perhaps you may have had to hide it from them. I would love to hear these stories. For me, the first album I bought was Green Day's American Idiot in 2004. At that point, I was only exposed to music that my mom listened to, which mainly consisted of Boyz II Men, Stevie Wonder, and Brian McKnight. I know the words to all of their songs against my will. The only time that I listened to other musical artists outside of what my mom had in the car was when I played video games, particularly Madden 05. The song American Idiot was one of the featured songs on the game's soundtrack, and at the time, I liked the punk rock attitude in the music. Upon a trip to Best Buy that year, I noticed the album cover in the store's CD section. After about an hour of pondering, in trying to muster up the courage, I asked my mom if I could buy that CD. I was so nervous that she would say no, since it was uh, so different stylistically than the R&B that typically permeated our household speakers. But much to my surprise, she said yes. That was one of the first times that I felt I could express my own individualism, which was an awesome and exhilarating feeling. Thereafter, I spent about a year listening to that record nonstop. However, the album does represent the changing of musical taste for myself. Upon discovering heavy metal greats like Black Sabbath, The Scorpions, and Judas Priest, I realized I didn't like Green Day anymore. <laughs> At one point, I even took the CD and threw it against my bedroom wall from across the room, <laughs> splitting the disc in half. Take oh, that, Green Day! <laughs> I, am not quite, I am not quite sure why I did that. I must have been trying to be a cool <laughs> rocker or something. Anyways, although I still do not like Green Day... <laughs> no. Uh, I'm still thankful to that band and their music for being a part of that treasured milestone in my life. Enough about me, though. I look forward to hearing your stories. May the force be with you. Uh, well, Anthony, uh, none of our stories are going to be as good as that. No, Green Day I saved me, that. and then I smashed no. their CD against the wall. <laughs> no. no. Yeah. Wow. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, but Jennifer, do you want to kick us off with your, your <laughs> musical journey of uh, what you bought? And was it an obstacle? Did you get support? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to, I was trying to remember what that was. And I remember going to Sam Goody and I had my money and I bought new editions, heartbreak album. Mm. Uh, and it had this song called crucial on it that I loved as a kid. And the reason why I loved it was it was in that movie license to drive with Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. And I was obsessed with that movie. And so somehow I figured out, I think I actually looked at the end credits of the movie and was like, that song, I want it. And back in the day, the only way you could get it, unless it was like a single, right? But that was pretty rare with cassette tapes. I had to go buy the album and I loved it. And that was the start of me going to Sam, Sam Goody. That's the difference in our generation. You're going to Best Buy buying CDs. I'm going to Sam Goody uh, and uh, yeah, mm -hmm. buying cassette tapes. Uh, did you get, was that, were you at an age where you had like allowance or you were working a job and it was just your choice or did you have to get it past anyone? My mom didn't believe in allowances. I got nothing. I don't even know how I got that, uh, that money. I, and I, and I didn't really, <laughs> who knows? Stole it from her purse. I there mean, you go. The five I, finger discount from Sam Goody. No. Yeah, before like making, you know, I would record the 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 music from the radio on my cassette tape. So I did that a lot to get songs that I liked because my parents would give me money. Although I did get Debbie Gibson's Electric Youth mm -hmm, the following mm -hmm. year. That mm -hmm. was another one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you remember what physically happened to that cassette? Do you still have it? I had it. Oh God. You know, I went through this, this thing about a year ago where I went to my mom's house. She had all my old cassettes, everything, mm. all my old vinyls, my green day vinyl. Mm. And for whatever reason, I purged it all. I gave it all away. Mm. And now I'm like, why did I do that? Oh, I'm so mad. I'm so mad. Yeah. 
I okay. can't wait. Like my old Fleetwood Mac, my old Janis Joplin vinyls. What was I mm. thinking? You guys, it's terrible. If if you can rent a storage space, don't do what I did. Yeah, I have a I have much too large of a storage space. Yeah, they, I, yeah. Well, I'm glad that you didn't throw your uh, cassette up against the wall. <laughs> no, no, I'm a hoarder. Yeah, uh, you're not alone, uh, Ken. What is your journey? Uh, first of all, this is our, this is just everything about this is fantastic. And Anthony, mm-hmm. I hope when you threw that CD against the wall that you had the time of your life doing it. Uh, this has just been a journey. Also, I was looking at the notes and I looked up, Janet, what point did you turn into a Jedi with your robe going to Ilum? I, I, I look up. <laughs> That's I it. Up, I, I, like, I, Jed. Jed's got a different vibe going. I died. Right. We were getting cozy because this was this was a great story <laughs> told by Anthony, and I got cozy with there my blanket. I'm also uh, fighting a cold. You're so, fighting yeah, a cold. I'm settling um, in by the fire. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Well, I wish we I'll, had an actual fire pit that we could like. Every time we have a really long question, it's like, all right, let's get out the marshmallows. Let's, yeah, flames yeah. down. And uh, there's a just. I apologize. There's a lot. First of all, yeah. You know, I, I, yeah. I, am I the world's biggest boys to men and Brian McKnight fan? No. Um, I love Stevie Wonder. So Anthony, you know, lay off Stevie Wonder. All right, like you can get the Scorpions <laughs> listed. All right, come on. Scorp- I'll take Wonder over the Scorpions. We want to debate music. Uh, Sabbath and Priest are great. Uh, I I thought I had this answer, and I think it's still the correct answer. But you know how time works, and mm-hmm. you forget. I think my first self purchase was Sergeant Pepper's on CD back when. Mm. Remember those cases, the wow. big like the giant like cardboard boxes of CDs that you had to get. Yes. Yes. Um, The reason is I didn't, I didn't, uh, I wasn't, I was a little bit of a late bloomer music fan. Shocking. But uh, you know, my parents didn't encourage me to, to, even though my, my dad was, he was his Navy ships um, tape trader. He'd make, he'd go Mm. to the shore, uh, get the albums, record them, bootleg them on reel to reel, and then sell the reels or tapes to the ship. He was like the the peddler of rock music from the late sixties uh, on his navy ship, mm. um, and uh, I fa- I was in my uh, now late grandfather and grandmother's house, and I found all the reels one day, mm. and it was pretty. Fa- my dad has pretty memorable, perfect penmanship too, and I was like, Dad, these are, and he's like, Oh my god, those are the ones from the ship. Hadn't seen those oh. in like forty years. Um, so he, despite that, um, I was, you know, the devil is in rock music. So I certainly was encouraged, uh, to get music, but, um, some it's, it's snuck through. So a lot of my early memories are actually like Roy Orbison's greatest hits, Harry Chapin's greatest hits, mm. the Beatles, uh, rarities, which included the German versions. And, you know, my name, look at the number, which kind of scared me initially as a Beatle. I didn't become mm-hmm. a Beatles fan right away. Cause I was like, what is Shalip Deke? I don't know what's going on. Um, but I didn't buy any of those. And so when I, I didn't, it wasn't until high school. And then I also, I was a kid who recorded things off the radio. So most of my music was just me pressing record when the local radio mm-hmm. station said, hey, here's Mysterious Ways by you too. So it wasn't until like mid high school, like 92 range, I was buying uh, stuff on my own. It's Sergeant Pepper, Magical Mystery Tour. But then I had them on CD. But then because of that 1981 Ford Fairmont, Joseph, that you mm-hmm. had and I had, I had to get cassettes. So then I, I, I immediately was like nuts to these CDs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't have a CD player in my car. So I, I remember about the white album, you know, big Beatles, not obviously and, and, and more during that time. Uh, so it was all, all, all that uh, I got. Those are my first purchases, but I do remember going to a record store. That's no longer there on grand Avenue in Royal Grande, California. It turns into Grover beach for those who keep score at home and live in my hometown area. And there was a, there was a Jake's Take and Bake Pizza in a record store, and I came out with Sergeant Pepper. <gasps> and what, what age? Yeah, what age are we talking about? That's like 15, 16. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, 15, 16. And did you uh, have to scrape up the money? No, by then I was working, but I, I was like you, Jen. I, I, di- I did have an allowance, but it was very, it was like 50 cents for far too long. So I couldn't afford comics. It's like I had to choose between mm-hmm. one comic a month or two comics a month. And so, yeah, it wasn't until a little, little bit later when I was working at a, as a dishwasher at a convalescent home. That mm-hmm. I had discretionary income. And now with, with your dad being the, the tape trader were th- and, ha- and them having the best of Beatles, were they like this newfangled rock has Satan in it? Black Sabbath has Satan oh, yeah. in it. Uh, oh, yeah. But the Beatles, I mean, the Beatles actually oh. do have backwards messages. Oh, <laughs> None no, of no. them satanic. Yeah. But the, yeah, Beatles, yeah. the Beatles <laughs> to, were okay with them? To be clear, 
up till about 64. <laughs> and then it was like, they got really weird, which was mm, okay. coding. Yeah. Uh, not very big fans coded. of Revolution Number Nine. No, not they. They they ended up becoming very weird, and and we just don't like that stuff from the later days. Now, my dad did. He he told me later on that Long and Windy Road was his favorite Beatles song, and he used to sit in his uh, bunk on the Navy ship listening to it crying. Like, mm. but they, wow. they they things changed, and, and my parents were part of the Jesus movement of the early seventies, which was this whole thing in which the, a lot of the hippies found God, or a lot of people from the sixties found God in the seventies, and kind of early celeb pastors like Chuck Smith, who Jen, mm. you're very much aware of, and I was dedicated as a baby by Chuck Smith. So they they emerged from that Jesus movement, and that was get rid of anything secular. Mm. And and so I grew oh. up with that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so it was Even like, Mickey Mouse disco records, my mom ooh, got rid of God, them. God. She was like, this is <laughs> Satan. Yeah. Is it, did it say Goofy is dead backwards on those Mickey records? <laughs> no, yeah, it was Goofy like is dead. <laughs> Mickey and Minnie on the cover with like the Saturday Night Fever poses. Yes. Oh, yes. God. Yeah, and she Which took is them so away. funny. It's so funny when you finally, as I did, watch the movie Saturday Night Fever and like, well, damn. Okay. Yeah, and, and there's there's inconsistencies because my mom is a giant Travolta fan. You know, I don't know if she followed his career much after uh, Luke was talking, but um, <laughs> you know, like Saturday Night Fever, Staying Alive, like Staying Alive. Like my, one of my first crushes is Fanola Hughes because my mom just had Staying Alive on the TV on VHS all the time, uh, and 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 you know, there's some, some popular music that was played. So she, but I, I grew up. Yeah, my first concert was Debbie Boone. You light up my oh life. My That's gosh, my first concert. Right. B- Amy Grant was played in oh. our house until she chased the devil and left the Christian music scene and went right. sec- secular. Uh, so all that. Uh, and so, yeah, I did. I remember, I, I think I've even told the story, but it's like I, my friends were getting into the Beastie Boys and I did oh. come home and say, I'd like, just like Anthony said, I'd, I'd like to get a Beastie Boys cassette because I would like to have a license to ill. And my mom was like, okay. And then she came back with, she pulled me downstairs. I remember, I mean, these big purple chairs. She pulled me downstairs to explain. Actually, not explain to a cue. She says, do you know, I'm reading an article here that at these concerts, the kids seeing the Beastie Boys sniff glue. Are you aware of this? As if I was like <laughs> hiding it from my mom. Oh my gosh. And I was like, I didn't, jo- Josh just like, he likes the Beastie Boys. <laughs> I didn't, what's sniffing glue? <laughs> like, I don't know. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's just, it's so funny that your actual interaction with your mom was the video for Fight Right to Party. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Ah, Ken's mom, you're just jealous. It's the Beastie Boys. It's uh, it's so great. Um, All that to say, that's why Sgt. Pepper came a little bit later in my life. Ah, yeah, there's uh, so many great memories. Um, As I've mentioned, my parents were extremely young when they had me. And I always knew that. But the older Mm -hmm. I get, the more I'm shocked by it. And the more I think Mm -hmm. about, like, how did that all affect my life? They were 18 when they got married, 19 when they had my brother, and 22 when they had me. Um, And uh, both came from from complicated homes. They literally came from the other side of the tracks from one another financially, Mm -hmm. but also literally physically. (laughs) From the other side of the tracks from one another. Um, but uh, my dad was a was a drummer. He started when he was like 14 or 15 and had a little a little jazz band. But then he got into playing in the clubs up north in uh, in the Brainerd area um, in Minnesota playing Beatles. My mom grew up with the Beatles and it, the, the Beatles were amazing. I remember uh, when we went to Target to get this newfangled compact disc. Mm. of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And my mom explained to me mm. that it came, that it, I believe it came out on the 20th anniversary of the album. And my yes. mom explained it to me. And the first yes. lyric is, it was 20 years ago today. And me just thinking, 20 years. 20. What an impossible length of time. <laughs> right. um, so they they yeah. were were young and supportive of music, which did shift over mm. time. As more of the sort of the eighties panic, the uh, the tipper glorification mm-hmm, <laughs> of mm-hmm. uh, parenting 
my, my mom gave us when we were pretty young, these buttons that said question authority because she saw herself as the underdog. And then when mm. we got to be teens and she realized, oh, parents are the authority. She made us give them back. <laughs> <laughs> Turn in your badges. <laughs> eh, wait. Uh, yeah, that, I didn't I didn't realize that meant me. So oh, no, no. Uh, so there was this arc to it where eventually I got to a place where like I did have to hide my uh, Guns N' Roses album. I, I did buy a, a cassette single, a cassingle of Metallica's okay, one, right. and I had to physically hide the cassingle of mm-hmm. one. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, mm-hmm. Beastie Boys would not have been wanted in the home. Um, but, but my my first album uh, would have been when I was really young, and, and I, it was a, a dual purchase with my brother. I, I don't, I was too, I remember picking it, but I don't remember how it happened. We might've had an allowance or like some birthday money, but my brother probably was just like, we need to experience what it is to buy an album. And my parents were probably like, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> but I remember uh, us like sitting down and going, this is a really hard decision. We really have to think about it. This is a big deal. This is our first uh, record. And we had really liked the the song that got a ton of play on the radio of Stray Cat, Strut by the Stray Cats. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So we decided jointly to buy Built for Speed by Stray Cats. And I remember listening to it and and liking it, but <laughs> the kind of classic thing of like, I like their single the best. I was in like second grade and was like, <laughs> not sure about the deep cuts, Stray yeah, Cats. Like the album cuts, yeah. <laughs> I like Stray Cats strut. So I don't know how much we even listened to it, but now, yeah. but um, I still have it. I listened to it. I listened to that at, that actual physical vinyl album a week ago while doing dishes. And, mm. you know, there, I don't think mm. my parents must have listened to it closely at all because it's like the whole thing is like rockabilly 80s sex and violence, you know? <laughs> They're talking about fishnet stockings and there's a rumble in Brighton tonight and there's not a goddamn thing that the cops can do. There's a rumble in Brighton tonight. I was like in second grade going, da 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 Hey, I want to have a rumble in Brighton tonight. No concern about that. No concern about that at all. Fast forward a couple of years later, and it was it was hide hide your guns and roses. Right? Mm. <laughs> this is just this just becomes a parodied satanic panic conversation again yeah. and again and again. But it's like yeah, the, the amount of times where you're just like, but that classic old tune you like, mom. It wasn't about what she she was once leading. She leads exercise classes for seniors, which is great, and, and I, I love that she does it. But she she so she plays music, and she was one time telling me she's like, oh, I, I love that song by Leonard Cohen, Hallelujah. It's so great. And I play it for the class i'm like it's about screwing <laughs> like what are you doing <laughs> like it's about a lot of things but it's like like what are you doing like it, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah it's so funny yeah yeah our next purchase was the the 45 of yoda by al yankovic so that was also uh very oh. Oh. very yeah instrumental in uh, I, yeah in i don't know yeah music growth career i don't know what the would have been the problem with weird al might have been that uh to mock as a sin, maybe that would have been <laughs> fun. Is fun a problem? Um, it, any other big picture thoughts on Anthony's story? Um, I'm really just affected by this whole story of Anthony's is so amazing because it to me it is so much about like how time defines us. Of like mm-hmm. I'm reading it, and you know, you know, your first album in 2004 to me is it makes me feel the age difference. Uh, mm-hmm. But and then you know. Uh, voice to men came out <laughs> uh mm-hmm. when i was a bit younger so there's so much about this that's so so timely mm-hmm. but then also so much about this that is the timelessness of music yeah of anthony saying all these things about his journey that makes me feel you know my age because he discovered it in a video game all this mm-hmm. but then what made anthony throw the green day disc against the wall black sabbath which was <laughs> old music to anthony at that point which yeah. became new in his life yeah. And changed him and changed his perspective. So, like, I'm fascinated by how this the, our relationship to music is both incredibly timely and incredibly timeless. Can you have any any emotional reaction to that? Uh, yeah, I love her. We need part two, Anthony. We need a docu- mm-hmm. documentary on what he threw against the wall because that's pretty punk. I wouldn't say it's heavy. I'd say it's pretty punk. It's also metal, but it, it's it's mm-hmm. pretty punk. Yeah, no, I mean uh, the week of the recordings. I don't I don't watch. I've never been a, a Grammy watcher or an award show watcher. Other than I'll tune into the Oscars and Golden Globes. Back in the day, it used to be fun because everyone was drunk, but. Um, uh, it's weird for music. Music is just so uh, something that I don't think you can rank and put in a competition. I even take a joke at the Scorpions. If you love Scorpions, love the Scorpions. I ain't going to stop you. Um, 
So I just love that every generation uh, gets to rediscover this. That's the thing of the Beatles. Yes, they're the Beatles. They're up there with air and food. And yes, of course, you like, but there's a 12-year-old right now going, what is this? What is mm -hmm. this? And what does it mean? And and to see uh, this this week of the Grammys where you have uh, Joni Mitchell at 80. You have Billy Joel coming back with what I think is a really great classic Billy Joel song uh, nowadays. And he had walked away and, and the song's about, did I, was it wrong for me to walk away? Can I recapture? Can we, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, also written to the, uh, the view of a love song. I, I love seeing that. And I love seeing, um, you know, uh, what's it, Luke Combs, it, it, it reintroduced Fast Car from Tracy Chapman to a new generation mm -hmm. and they bring her on and that performance and Tracy Chapman just nails it. it, it music is, is, is about that generational exchange, that thing we love in mm. Star Wars. It's very much about that. And and that's why I have come around. There's always going to be artists that come on that you don't understand, and you say, who's that? And you can kind of tell back in the day if you're getting older because who's Carson Daly and who's that band? No. I, I get it. I, I, push, I always push past it, push past it to find out you don't, you don't need to love Billie Eilish, but I think you should understand and respect what people do and who she's mm -hmm. speaking for, speaking about. That's the power of music. And, and the, it was on display. Taylor Swift standing up and just standing and watching as Tracy Chapman Luke Combs play the song was, I, I love that sight. That's what music's about. That's what music's about. Mm. Yeah. Jennifer, you have any thoughts about uh, the strange relationship we have with time and music? I just, when I th read Anthony's story, it reminds me about the ritual aspect of music, which I really, yes, really miss yes. about like, we're all saying going to the store, maybe we already have what we want in mind, or you discover something new when you're there in the section, right? Or you're like, mm -hmm. oh, this is an old Grateful Dead album that was live, blah, blah, blah. And it really, mm -hmm. for me, it was all about the CDs, the artwork, you would go home and take your new music, you put on the CD and sit there and listen to it, it was a ritual. You'd look at the album artwork, the notes, right? Pull it out, see what was going on. And that was your experience. And now my kid wants, you know, the Taylor Swift album. I just download an Apple Music and there it is right instantly. I really, really miss that ritual aspect of it. And I know that people are now getting back into vinyl and things like that, mm -hmm. but there was just something special uh, to be an old geezer about going down to the music store and you know, get purchase, spending your hard-earned money or your parents' money on uh, on this new piece of music, right? That would sh that would basically be the soundtrack for your life. Mm -hmm. That we all have these things, right? Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. it just makes me very wistful. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm lucky to live within lucky and cursed to live within walking distance of a uh, of Amoeba, which records oh, is just yeah. a, a temple to physical media. And there's a day a couple of weeks ago where. We, we, Sarah and I went for a walk and needed to do something real practical. And I was just kind of bummed out. And she was like, let's go to Amoeba too. <laughs> it's like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a healing, a balm, you know, cause you, you look for a specific thing, but you, you go around and you discover, and it's what Anthony's describing in his story. That's, I mean, that's one of the things that hit me in the story that you spent an hour in Best Buy, that it took you mm -hmm. an hour, that the idea of somebody shopping at Best Buy for an hour <laughs> You know? Easily, yeah, you can yeah. get lost. And what mood are you in? Are you in an angry mood? Do you want to, you know, fight authority? Okay, we're well, going to go to a certain section, right? What about you're maybe now feeling in love and you want to put on music for your first date where you're driving them in the car, right? It's, it's all these things that you think about when you go to the music store that now, mm. well, I don't know what. I guess I'll discover it. Yeah. <laughs> with my kids. Yeah. It, I, we, this could be another hour, and I think it's, right, it's right. you know, without a doubt, things change. And I, I look, I, I don't agree with Spotify, but I also have a Spotify account, right? And, and I, I think it's, I, I, I actually, the algorithm works for me there. I've discovered so many new artists there, um, so I could, I could, I could fight it, and I could live with it. There's a lot of wonderful conversations and important conversations to have. But Joseph, one that comes back to you, of, of it, we, Jen, you're not just wistful. We're not just uh, Gen X going. In my, in my day, we bought CDs. It, there was a, there was a connection and a, and the word you use a lot, Joseph, when talking about this stuff, the humanity that I mm -hmm. I love new tech and I love how new bands or even old bands can re, get rediscovered on, on on TikTok performance and that's very valuable. But the, but the connection to the artist is gone. The 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 album being what it used to be. I, the, the doc there's a doc out there about the the company. What's the name of the company that was. Uh, did all the famous album covers, especially in the seventies. And there's a great oh, clip. Yeah. With, oh yeah, squaring the circle. I think squaring the circle. Doc. Yeah, so good, so good. But there's a great moment with Noel Gallagher just saying, "Yeah, I have to go to the album photo shoot," and his daughter's like, 
what's that? And his daughter's not mm. like teen. She's older now. Like, what's that? He's like, you know, the, the little picture on the, the uh, that, that, that costs a lot of money to make that you just skip oh over. And, and all that means is it, it's, there's a the little bit of a disconnect from the art uh, that, that that's one of the things I worry about. I'm, I'm here for the new, but man, that's, that's not something to leave behind. And, and, and maybe unfortunately it will. Mm. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and yeah, yeah, finding a balance between the old and the new is, is a, powerful thing in music there are new artists i like who've affected me who've helped me understand you know what younger generations are going through like you know why does billy eilish speak to people you know Mm -hmm. that's fascinating for me because the question especially like in the late 80s when everything seemed to be getting more extreme with music of heavy metal was getting as loud and fast and violent as possible and and hip hop was getting as like Mm -hmm. let's get as stripped down to Mm -hmm. words and rhythm as possible everything was kind of like going to extremes and, and there's a, I remember talking about friends of like how is you know if if you track track rock with how loud how fast how angry where could we possibly go next Billie Eilish whispering <laughs> you know like yeah. it's an easy yeah. joke to make but it's also yep. like what what does that mean why did that happen how does it speak to people there's yeah. so much yep. to discover in being open to new music and then it's just a my final thought is it's it's I love what uh, what Anthony's talking about. He went through this journey of music of his his era of Green Day that was then pushed out of the way by music from the past because he found something new in it. You know, mm. in the fact of the the value in that we can revisit music again and again. I listen to that Stray Cats vinyl now that I've had since I was in second grade, and I listen to Rumble in Brighton and go like, oh, that makes me think of the movie Quadrophenia. Which makes me think of the uh, mm. the punks in in uh, Book of Boba Fett and like it's right. all these rhythms, all these connections that are sitting there on that thing that I've had since I was in second grade is uh, pretty powerful. Uh, final thing I'll, I'll uh, say is you know I've talked a lot about Frank Sinatra and finding that music and you know well well past its prime and it meaning a lot to me is one of my favorite Frank Sinatra songs, "Dancing in the Dark," has a lyric: uh, "What though love is old, what though song is old, through them we can be young." which is just a powerful sentiment about the power of music. You never know when and how it's going to find you. Yeah, Mm. indeed. Great story. Great question. Thank you very much, Anthony. That's our questions of everything episode for this week. Ken, where can people find us? Hey, you can find us on Twitter and threads at four center pod. Our Facebook page is four center podcast. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Subscribe over there if you haven't already and would like to, uh, helps out the show helps us podcast available. A lot of spots, just search. You'll find us, you know, when you're listening to music, also just search for the podcast while you're there. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash four center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash four center. Uh, again, 007 center coming exclusive to Patreon supporters or available for purchase on Patreon. Uh, so check it out over there. Uh, you can follow me at Catnapsock. Go to my website, catnapsock.com. If you like music, I say Jen in my intro every week. It's, it, I, I like making playlists that are made up of the songs that are that, that make up the soundtrack of our lives. I say it in a smoother way than that. Uh, but my show, Pop Rockin' Radio on Mixcloud, mixcloud.com slash pop rockin' radio. No G on rockin'. I have a live radio show every week that uh, go through music because it's something that we're all passionate about there. So Jen, where can they find you and your albums? Yeah, I wish, I wish. You can connect with me because that's the wonderful thing about social media. Uh, on YouTube, Instagram, at Jennifer Landa, or TikTok, at Jennifer Landa, 1138. Love it, Joseph. Great use of the Sinatra lyric. Take us home. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ken. Uh, you can find me on all the social media, at Joseph Scrimshaw. If you want to check out my uh, weekly newsletter blog that is called Finish Your Monsters, just Google Joseph Scrimshaw, Finish Your Monsters, and hopefully it will pop right up. But for now, that is it. We have answered the questions of everything. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.